Wall Street versus individual traders, a conspiracy nut in Congress, and executive actions galore. Hey girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an I, and this is Did You Hear the News? This has been an interesting week to say the least. I mean, President Biden has continued to get as much action completed through executive orders as possible. So far, his aims have continued to be related to equity and health, including the move to expand access to Medicaid and to open the Affordable Care Act exchange for those who lost their health benefits, something that the previous president was begged to do, especially once people were losing their jobs due to the pandemic, uh, but he did not do because we all know that he has a grudge against the Affordable Care Act. So he also moved to push for the Justice Department to no longer renew contracts with private prisons, which is a huge deal because we all know that members of the black and brown communities are in prison disproportionately beginning as early as elementary school. I mean, the school to prison pipeline is real, people. Although there is clearly a lot more to do, this is a great start. However, not to be left out, The former first lady has set up her office in Florida and she expects to continue her Be Best initiative. Melania Boo, have you no shame? I honestly think I speak for most of us when I say it probably will be best if she left it alone. Anyways, President Biden has expressed that he understands the urgent need to get his $1.9 trillion relief bill passed and Although he wants to work with Republicans, he is prepared to move forward without them if necessary. But it has to pass. You know, to him, there's no other excuse. A direct quote from him was, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But my thing is this, what are you going to do, Joe? Like, I love his optimism, but I just don't, I don't understand how after seeing what we've seen the past four years, like, Where does he get this hope, this optimism that Republicans are going to work with him? I want you to think back with me to a time where Republicans ever made such a big deal about working together. They actually rammed through tax cuts for the rich in 2017 and a Supreme Court nominee in like a month with no desire to work with Democrats to do so. So if you've been alive and slightly paying attention like me, you gotta wonder where his optimism comes from. That's neither here nor there. I mean, I know that there are some Republicans like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins uh, who are middle of the aisle Republicans who would most likely be willing to work with Democrats. But even both of them, you know, say they have their concerns. I mean, of course, you know, once it's time to help people that need it, there are suddenly concerns. Such as Susan Collins saying, you know, she doesn't want people who don't need the money to receive it. Like, girl, have you no shame? 
it's like really continues to rub me the wrong way that those people who get an annual salary of over $100,000 of taxpayer money and have net worths in the millions get to haggle over restricting the distribution of relief more so than it already was. Keep in mind, the amount of relief received was reduced if you made over $75,000 and it zeroed out at around $99,000, okay? So really, what is the concern? What's the concern? Especially now that we have a competent Secretary of Treasury who would most likely make sure that her department didn't send checks out to dead people. Steve Mnuchin, I'm talking about you. He had no shame. And I get it. You say, Brandy, but you don't understand how it works. And you're right. I don't understand how Republicans only ever care about the deficit when it comes down to helping everyday citizens. I don't understand how the deficit isn't an issue when they ram through tax plans that benefit corporations and millionaires and billionaires who actually got a combined trillion dollars richer. Trillion dollars richer. Trillion dollars richer during this pandemic. But somehow... They can't wrap their minds around giving $2,000 in relief to American citizens who are desperate, are in desperate need for this money because before that $600 check, the last check that went out was almost a year ago. So the American people have been working with, if you made less than that $75,000, have been working off of $1,800 for almost a year. What a shame. I just don't get it. And and maybe someone can c- explain it to me in a way that doesn't give me, I'm more concerned with defending billionaires because I believe that I'm the one in almost 580,000 that will actually become one someday. That's what I need because I, I just don't understand it. But all jokes aside, I I do understand that the higher the stimulus, the more people will be qualified to get some of the money, even if it's like $5. And I get that. But we just survived four years under a cult leader and are trying to make it through a panoramic. The government can put a little something on these therapy funds, okay? Either way, the timeline for the return of the bill uh, to be passed is unclear, Bernie is optimistic. You know, he's now going to be like over the the budget, the budget chair or something like that. So he's kind of optimistic that it could go to a vote this week, this coming week. Well, today, which would be Monday when this drops. So he believes that it can come to a vote this week. However, I've seen some reporting that says it wouldn't reach a vote until the end of February. So I'm not really clear about what exactly a vote means, you know, with Congress you can take a vote to have a vote. It's just, it's wild. So we'll see what happens with that. But it's just, it's disheartening to me that we're fighting still for stimulus dollars when at the time of the Georgia elections, when everything was on the line and the former president said, give people $2,000 checks, it was like, yay. And then suddenly it's, it's not a thing to do anymore, but that's where we are. 
What's even wilder is that we're waiting on Republicans to work with Democrats. When they're falling apart as a caucus, as we speak, there is infighting and pressure being placed on the House members who actually did the right thing and voted to impeach the former president. (laughs) With Matt Gates, Matt Gates of Florida, turning on Liz Cheney at the urging of the former president who has some sort of a burn book with targets that he intends to ruin politically. Gates traveled thousands of miles from Florida to Cheney's home state of Wyoming to campaign against her. Yeah, he has no shame. I continuously ask, why are these people more concerned about states that they do not represent? But you know what? Anytime Matt Gates spins away from Florida, that's actually a sigh of relief for us. That's probably a win. With the former first family moving here, a governor who does not care if COVID kills us all, and senators like Rubio and Marco, it is heavy down here, y'all. Whew. Meanwhile, as Liz Cheney is being cast as the enemy of the party and the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, is in Florida begging for the former president's favor. You don't recall, he said that the president needed to take responsibility for what happened at the Capitol. And then he had to walk that back after he got all the flag from that. So he's in Florida trying to get back in the former president's good graces. Meanwhile, Marjorie... Taylor Greene has become the terror that many of us knew she would be. This woman is cray-cray, okay? Greene was a QAnon, is a QAnon conspiracy believer, and she's also pushed crazy beliefs such as the California wildfires were started by space lasers, 9-11 was an inside job, which... Uh, To be fair, we've heard that before. President Obama is a Muslim, which we've also heard before, and just many other crazy, ridiculous, wild things. This week, a CNN KFAL report found that she had supported or made herself ridiculous comments about things such as assassinating President Obama and Hillary Clinton, something about a noose or something really wild. Like it's just ridiculous for someone who's in Congress. Um, They also found out she had liked a comment that says something to effect of a, a bullet in the head is the fastest way to get rid of Nancy Pelosi. The speaker of the house. It's just really wild because as much as Lindsay and Mitch McConnell get on my nerves and they do, get on my nerves. It's not like I'd ever advocate for violence against them. Now, every now and then, I do believe they deserve that little pinch into the back, to the back of that arm fat. You know, like the mamas in the church used to get when you was acting up. That little pinch, I think they deserve that. But never, never would I advocate for mortal danger. You know what? I take that back. Don't pinch Mitch. His flesh is weak. Literally. So I I wouldn't pinch him, but but he would deserve it. Anyways, back to Marjorie. The comments aren't really that surprising because it wasn't too long ago that she had previously posted a picture of herself 
holding a gun beside images of the squad. You know, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley. Like, how disgusting is that, right? As if that was not enough. It's even more upsetting to me that she also mocked Sandy Hook and Parkland shootings. These are school shootings. Sandy Hook, I think, was like the first elementary school shooting where young children died. Parkland, where young teenage high school students were killed. And very recently, a video came out of her harassing David Hogg, who's a Parkland survivor. And it was just really disgusting to me. It was so bold because she walked behind him. She harassed him, accusing him of being paid by George Soros. You know, that's what they, that's what they default to all the time. George Soros. I know he's so tired of hearing his name. His hands probably itching all the time. He's, he's always the scapegoat. So she attempted him on getting money from George Soros in an attempt to take away the guns. You know, it's always about the guns. But what makes it even worse is that she made sure to let this child know that she too currently had a gun on her person. The unmitigated gall of this woman to not only harass a child who has suffered through an unimaginable tragedy at that age, but to also contribute to his trauma by confirming that she's armed. It was disgusting. She ended her video by calling him a coward for ignoring her ignorant, crazy antics. And then complained, listen, complained that it wasn't fair that he was able to go in front of Congress and get their attention and talk to them and that he had everything and she had nothing. A grown woman who grew up wealthy and owned a construction company worth millions of dollars, jealous of a child who suffered through a school shooting. Insanity at its finest. I'd ask if she knew shame, but she's already confirmed that she does not, and she stands by the things that she said even whilst scrubbing some of them from her social media. It would honestly be comical if it wasn't so sad, okay? To add insult to further injury, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, has added her to the Education and Labor Committee. And of course, people are calling her to be removed. Of course, this lady is insane. She shouldn't be in Congress, but she definitely should not be allowed on such a committee where she can spew her ridiculous thoughts about children, including how the greatest danger to young black men is gangs. Yes, that is a thing that she said on video, on the internet. And that's honestly not even the worst of it. This lady is baddie. So much so that very recently, Rep. Cory Bush had to request that her office be moved from Greens due to a confrontation where Rep. Bush yelled at her to put on a mask because she's walking through the tunnels with 
the the mask is half on. It's like not covering her nose. She's making a crazy video about something ridiculous as usual. And from across the way, Cori Bush asked her to put a mask on. Apparently that led to a confrontation where she began berating Bush without her mask on, which is dangerous. I mean, she's also in that video of reps who were in the Capitol on the day of the insurrection who refused to put a mask on. So she also <laughs> told Cori Bush, when Cori asked her to put a mask on, she told her that she should stop inside in violence in the name of Black Lives Matter. Imagine that a conspiracy theorist continuing to spread the big lie of election fraud, even speaking out, even fixing her lips to speak on Black Lives Matter. It's the boldness for me. She got to go. Get her out. All means necessary. I've signed all the petitions. You should too. She needs to be out of there. Her and crazy Lauren Boebert. We won't even get started on her shenanigans. It'll probably never happen though. Because the GOP can't even agree that the former president deserves to be impeached. Even after he sent rioters to kill them at the Capitol which is one of the wildest things that I still can't believe I have to say. But 2021 has proven to just be 2020's younger, even kookier little sibling. So I guess I just need to get used to it because I feel like we're in for a wild year. Regardless, a vote was held on Monday as far as the belief of the constitutionality of the trial introduced by the insufferable Rand Paul, a former doctor who believes that having COVID once makes you completely immune to it, which is not true, especially with these new strains and variants coming out. So please don't listen to that. Only five Republican senators actually voted with the Democrats that the impeachment trial is constitutional, to which Rand celebrated saying that the trial is dead on arrival. I said it this week, and I do continue to maintain that impeachment is the weirdest, shadiest thing to me. Senators act as the lawyers, the jury, and in this case, the judge, since the former president's no longer in office. Normally, it would be the chief justice of the Supreme Court, but he decided he'll just stay out of this one. And my question is, how do you expect a trial to be fair when the jurors have already made it clear? that they'll vote one way or the other. You know, in a normal world, you would be dismissed if there was an inkling of any bias on your end. And it's just insane to me. And that's part of the reason why I don't even trust that the Republicans will take the facts and make legit decisions. Even though they have staff and former aides who have written letters to them, like practically begging them to do so. It's just like, I can't trust that they'll do that. I mean, however, that's not going to stop the Dems because they're trying. And I guess like, as I mentioned to you guys last week, I'm not sure that the extra time will be helpful for the former president. Now his buddy, Lindsey Graham, also a juror who knows no shame, had recently linked him up with two South Carolina lawyers who kind of built him up a team of five lawyers, but... Recently, they all quit. 
because the former president, rather than focus on the constitutionality of the trial itself, wanted to focus on election fraud. Like, at this point, he's his own worst enemy. Like, you have bigger fish to fry. Keep in mind, he was already having a hard time finding anyone to represent him because they either just don't want to be involved with it or they're afraid that he won't pay them because the former president has a history of not paying people after they do services for him. To add to the case against him, the self-proclaimed QAnon shaman's lawyer, you know, that's the guy who had on the fur and the horns and the face paint. Yeah, his lawyer says that he's willing to testify as a witness if they call any witnesses. And it's really funny to me because as I mentioned last week, this guy's lawyer has been very adamant about the fact that his client absolutely believed that the president wanted him to storm the Capitol. But something about this is giving me like, I want a plea deal vibes. So I guess we still don't know if there are going to be, you know, any witnesses called. And honestly, I feel like you have it all in 4K video. Like that should be enough. I would think that would be enough. Dealing with these people though, it probably won't be. And I think everyone seems to know it. I think that unfortunately, as Rand Paul said, the vote about the constitutionality of the case was actually kind of like a test vote for how senators might actually vote. It really doesn't look good for conviction. And that's why Tim Kaine, you might remember him, he actually ran for vice president on the Hillary Clinton ticket, along with Susan Collins, who still gets on my nerves, are working on a resolution to censor and then ban the former president from running for office again. The second part is, of course, important because it can't get done otherwise without a conviction during the impeachment trial. And we just don't, we don't think that that's going to happen. So at this point, here's what I say. Have the trial, because really that's the only way that the Democrats in the Senate and the House can hold the former president accountable on their end. Let the Republicans continue to embarrass themselves by pushing this. Let's just move on, even though we spread a huge lie that almost got you all killed, defense, and then push towards censure, which, you know, a lot more people said in the beginning that they supported that. Once again, now Republicans are wishy-washy. So they said they'd rather support it, but I, I don't think it'll be any kind of breaking news if they don't. And then we can just go on to other pressing matters, you know, because President Biden has an agenda that he really wants to get pushed through. And, you know, at this point, unfortunately, I hate to say I feel like the impeachment is somewhat of a distraction only because we can kind of already count that the Republicans are not going to do the right thing. So I I honestly think that we could just move on, have the trial, but don't really hinge upon what Republicans are going to do. Just make a plan for moving forward once they decide not to convict. 
an important tidbit about the insurrection that will probably be disappointing but not surprising is that it is being noticed that quite a few current military or former military members were at that insurrection and were participating in the storming of the Capitol. And I just want to make sure we call that out because I think a lot of the time we feel as if the people that serve in the military are of some higher moral standard than they actually are. And it is very honorable, of course, to serve in the military. I'm not saying that it it isn't. It's a very honorable thing to do. But I think it's very important for us to remember that people in the military are just a reflection of the population of society. And if there is racism, white supremacy, all of that in the society, then is also going to be in the military. There was someone on CNN last night who said something to the effect of at least two-thirds of white people in the military and like half of the people of color in the military have seen white nationalist-type rhetoric going on firsthand in the military. And that is deeply disturbing, insanely disturbing. So I don't want us to forget about the insurrection, even though it feels like in these days to come, we're going to be hearing about more charges and it kind of gets old. But I want us to remember that because that's very important especially when we're talking about accountability, when all of these people are being arrested and charged. Uh, Recently, two members of the Proud Boys were actually arrested, and they're the, the first two members of the Proud Boys, if I'm not mistaken, to be charged with conspiracy. Um, And there are just so many other charges that are very serious that are being passed on, and we're talking about accountability And it seems like, once again, the everyday normal people are being held accountable and not those who started the lie and perpetuated it. But we'll get into that. Because it seems to me that the GOP has an accountability issue. The former president incited a deadly riot. And Republicans want to move on because he's a private citizen. Or as Nikki Haley said, you know, he's just been beat up since before he became president and while he was president and now that he's not president. However, when Benghazi happened, Hillary Clinton was subject to numerous investigations and hearings after she became a private citizen. If you're not familiar with Benghazi, you probably heard about it by multiple Republicans, but you don't really know what occurred during Benghazi. And basically, Benghazi was a terrorist attack that occurred in Libya. It was very unfortunate. Four Americans died. I think two of them were civilians. Two of them were actually in the military. 
And the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton, including Susan Rice, were accused of lying about the situation, accused of burying information, accused of not even calling the military to help, accused of, you know, not actually giving the security that they needed. And there were many investigations done and it was found that none of that was true. There were just unfortunate circumstances that led to a lack of security. Um, They, of course, did try to get, you know, military help as soon as they found out about the attack. And they weren't being untruthful. They unfortunately were relying on CIA intelligence that was wrong. And so when they initially came out and gave information and briefings and press conferences about the attack, the information they had was incorrect. And that led people to say that they were trying to cover up what happened. And that's just not the case. And that was found out to not be the case through these investigations. There were 10 investigations, six of them Republican led, over almost two and a half years. Benghazi was investigated more than 9-11, Pearl Harbor, JFK's assassination, and Watergate. After it was done, Hillary was cleared of all wrongdoing. However, Kevin McCarthy found himself in hot water when he actually mentioned on television that the Benghazi special committee that was put together around the time that Hillary was running for president had actually caused her poll numbers to go down. Whoopsie daisy, Kevin, saying that silent part out loud. After that, you know, Democrats went crazy because they were like, this is what we've been saying all along, that this was an a literal actual witch hunt by Republicans to come for Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama's administration. And Kevin McCarthy at that time was actually running for a house leader. And he had to um, basically drop out of that, of that race because of the fact that he said the quiet part out loud. Around the same time, Marco Rubio declared in a TV interview as well, that the investigations into Benghazi weren't about politics. They were about accountability. But when it comes to the former president or current congressmen, women of the GOP, there's suddenly no accountability to go around, honey. They are fresh out and it's on back order when it comes to accountability for them. And... I personally believe that they refuse to hold the former president accountable because they know holding him accountable is also going to be holding them accountable. If their former president is held accountable for the big lie, which is what we're calling it these days, of election fraud, then clearly Republicans like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, they're going to have to be held accountable too for the part they played in perpetuating the lie. They will have to be held accountable for refusing to act in good faith 
and tell the truth that there was no widespread election fraud and the former president lost fair and square. Unfortunately to me, I think that they feel holding him accountable would mean implicating them as well. And so they just refuse to do so. I mean, when it comes to Ted Cruz, I really don't expect more from a man who would let another man dog out his father and his wife in exchange for proximity to power. Side note, I hope she thumps him like a real hearty thump. As soon as he's on the cusp of settling in to a deep, peaceful sleep. If he were my husband, he would know no peace in my household for how you let the former president talk about her and he didn't defend her at all. But anyways, the hypocrisy is real. We had a literal cult leader as a president and now we have cult followers in Congress. With some Congress members fearing for their lives. Fearing for their lives. And rightfully so when you have a congressman literally trying to sneak a gun onto the House floor. Like, what do you need that for? On the House floor. And the bottom line is the Republicans have failed to actually lead their party and their constituents and we are all paying for it we're all paying for it nancy pelosi got up and she had a press conference and they asked her about you know security at the capitol and she said unfortunately for us when we talk about security the enemy or the the risk is within the house. They can't even trust their co-workers. You have a congresswoman who claims she's five foot two and she's going to carry her gun at the Capitol if she wants. You have another one who is a conspiracy theory nut who thinks it's okay to perpetuate the thought of violence against other members of Congress before and after she became a Congresswoman. What is going on in our Congress? It's like a circus. It's like a circus. But we're supposed to be united. I just don't see how. I don't see how. I don't see how we can unite when Republicans can't unite with themselves. I don't see how we can unite when we're basically being told that Republicans are going to be the party of Trump. They're going to be the party of conspiracy theories. It's okay to have those type of people in their party and in their Congress and in their Senate. Senate might be a stretch. It's a a bit harder to become a Senate because you have to have the buy-in of most of a state. But it's easy to be a congressperson or a member of the House and actually have these crazy, ridiculous ideas. Gerrymandering is very real. 
In the case of Marjorie Taylor Greene, she actually didn't live in her district. She actually was from a district uh, like the suburbs of Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. So where she grew up, this is where she was from, wealthy once again. And she had ran there and they paid her dust. But she noticed that in another district, there was a Republican who was retiring, if I'm not mistaken. And she decided to run for that seat. And unfortunately, the Democrat who was running against her dropped out of the race. However, in the area that she was running, it was so red anyway, no one really expected him to actually win. And so she won a seat because... All of the people in that district, as it was drawn out, were very diehard Republican. And she basically swooped in and took that seat. And now, unfortunately for us, the rest of us, we have a conspiracy theory, Second Amendment crazy woman in our Congress doing ridiculous things under the guise of it's what her constituents want. And her minority leader says he'll talk with her this week. He's going to talk with her. Woo, child, we in a bind. We just in a bind. We just in a bind. In a world where Liz Cheney is the enemy for doing the right thing, Liz Cheney, who has been conservative, Republican, do or die all her life to the day she die, whose father was a Republican vice president, did the right thing, voted her conscience when she saw what the former president had done. The fact that we live in a world where Liz Cheney is the enemy now. And a Marjorie Taylor Greene is celebrated as the shining new star of the Republican Party. That's scary. It is scary. It may seem like I'm coming down on the Republicans, but come on. Come on. From the party that's supposed to be the one about morals and values. Because you know us liberals are loosey-goosey and full of sin. You let a cult leader come in and take over your party. And introduce and embrace and hold dear white supremacists and terrorists for the sake of us all. Get it together. Is there no shame? Sheesh. Anyways, in real quick defund the police news, Austin, Texas has voted to actually purchase a few hotels using money from police budgets that was reallocated to purchase these hotels for homeless people, but also include wraparound services such as casework and uh, mental health services and things of that nature. So not just housing for homeless people, but also services 
so that they can get the help that they need in their current state. And it will also help propel them to a better state. And I just wanted to bring that up because it was said that, oh, you know, defund the police hurt us and all of this and that during the 2020 election. And I understand that defund the police is not a popular slogan, but I feel like it's not popular for those who don't want to understand it. And if there's ever a time when someone says something to you like, oh, defund the police is bad and you guys just hate the police, point them to this story and explain to them that this is how defunding the police works. They actually took some money from things such as like overtime pay and like buying license plate readers, stuff that they didn't necessarily need millions of dollars for. So when people say defunding the police can't work, it's not a good thing. You hate police if you support it. Point them to this story and let them know that defunding the police does not mean we want a world without police for all. Some people feel like we should just abolish them, but the the slogan defund the police does not mean getting rid of police. It means reallocating police funds. There's really no reason that some police budgets are like two thirds of a whole city's budget. It's kind of insane. And police officers will tell you that they don't want all the functions of their job that they're not equipped for. They're not dog catchers. They're not mental health professionals. I mean, I think we know that by now. And they shouldn't exactly be held to that standard. So once again, defunding the police means reallocating funds to other things that would be helpful, that would help take some of those ridiculous parts of their role off their plate so that they can actually get back to reactionary policing. Let's move on to my last topic. So unless you were living under a rock or in a cave in the mountains this week, you heard about the saga that is GameStop, the stock market, and Robin Hood. So if you don't understand, I'm going to try to break it down in the most layman's of terms because I too am very new to all of this. So GameStop is a company that buys and sells video games, uh, video game consoles. Back in the day, there was a movie stop where they also sold like DVDs and CDs. Basically, it's it's one of those buyback type companies where you may have video games that probably cost you hundreds of dollars and then you would take it to GameStop and they'd only give you about 15. That's neither here nor there. So a bunch of hedge funds shorted GameStop. That means that they basically bet against GameStop to fall in in a value within the stock market. And apparently when you do that, that can actually be very damaging to a company. So some Redditors were in a Reddit sub and they noticed 
that GameStop had been shorted by these hedge fund billionaires and they decided to quote unquote because it's all alleged they decided to work together to pal onto the stock and buy it so that they would therefore raise the price of the stock for GameStop and then that in turn would cause the hedge funds to lose money while they would make money. So how does this work? I'm glad you asked. I'm still learning. But basically what happens is when a hedge fund says, hey, you know, we've looked at this company, doesn't look like they're doing well, doesn't look like they're really going to increase in any value, they will bet against that company once again as i mentioned it's called a short and then once the company does go down in value because believe it or not doing that by so many different hedge funds will cause it to go down in value and so once that occurs the hedge fund gets money however if that stock goes up in price the hedge funds will lose money and they did they lost out big league (laughs) they lost millions and billions of dollars actually when these redditors decided to come together and buy stock and hold it so when the they decided to buy the stock that sent the price of the stock up and the fact that they weren't selling their shares really quickly force the stock to continue to go up. So if you are on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else where you see these people saying, hold the line, don't sell, that's basically what they're doing. They're still trying to drive these prices up. And at the same time, that causes those hedge fund elites to continue to lose money. But there are so many layers to the story and what actually happened to cause like the perfect storm for uh, GameStop and these individual traders and just a nightmare for these uh, elite billionaires. So when the subredditors decided that they were going to purchase stock, that started driving up the price of the stock. But then you also had other people looking at that stock go up and decide to purchase options. Options can work one or two ways. You can either buy a call where you assume that a stock will go up or a put where you assume that a stock will go down. So all these people are looking at GameStop going up, knowing what's going on. So they all bought calls for these stocks and what that means is they basically buy a contract which is a hundred shares of the stock and they don't have the obligation to buy the stock but when they purchase the call they can choose to buy the stock at a cheaper price later on so while that stock continues to go up you can make a profit So say, for instance, I notice that GameStop is going up in price. I purchase a contract for 100 shares. If GameStop was at $4, I can basically 
purchase 100 shares at the current price of $4. And then I can choose the option to pay for those shares at a cheaper price at a later date. So that's going to put me at $400 worth of options for that stock. But say the stock continues to go up. Now it's like in the 400s of dollars, which is where it finally got, I think, at the end of the week. I can say, you know what? I'm not going to share. The stock has gone up enough. I'm going to take the difference of how much it was when I bought it to where it is now and I can cash out and make a lot of money or I can decide to actually purchase the stock at the cheaper price so I've only paid a fraction of the cost but now I have a stock that's worth way more than I originally paid for it. I hope all the stock people don't crucify me. I think I got that right. So that was also happening and then you actually have the stock market <laughs> and what you know the stock market does is it looks at what's going on within itself and then a lot of other people in Wall Street start to also buy the stocks so you have the individual buyers you have the people buying options and then you have you know the actual brokers of Wall Street that are actually also buying the stock because they see that it's going up. So it was really just a perfect storm of everyone seeing what was going on with the stock and actually getting in on it. Unfortunately, that was causing billionaires to lose money. And we all know what happens when the wealthy start to lose the rules of the game start to change. So I think it was about Thursday of last week when we saw that brokers like Robinhood, Webull, TD Ameritrade had started restricting buying the stock or, you know, Robinhood actually just paused all buying of the stock altogether, which caused a huge uproar because Of course, to the little guys, those individual buyers, it looks like Robinhood is actually trying to work against them in the interest of the people with the money. Now, the CEO of Robinhood went on a few different news outlets, CNBC, CNN with Chris Cuomo, and, you know, he said that that was not the case. It wasn't a a liquidity issue like he wasn't he wasn't having issues with the money but then he kind of backtracked it and said well we had to make sure that we had our customers best interest at heart you know because we started Robin Hood so that the normal individual could get into purchasing stocks and this that and the other whoop de whoop de do but watching him Even though I didn't 100% understand how it works, I still felt like there was some janky stuff going on. So there have been lawsuits, of course, brought against Robin Hood because of what occurred on Thursday, because of those individual traders who felt like the market was no longer free and fair for them. You also saw members of Congress like, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, 
even Ted Cruz, Don Jr. agreeing that what was going on was actually super wrong and, you know, that it needs to be looked into. So there's a class action suit. There's also, I think, a New York State Attorney General is actually actively reviewing um, what occurred on Robin Hood. So it got a lot of eyes. It was a huge news story on Thursday. Keep in mind that this had been going on already for days. But once the the brokers started kind of pulling the plug on it, that's when people started calling foul and saying, hey, like something is really amiss here. And I think it's rather interesting because if you're not familiar with Robin Hood, as I said, their claim to fame is that individuals who don't have a lot of experience in trading stocks can actually get in and use a user-friendly interface and trade with what little money they might have. They don't have to have millions of dollars to actually get in and play the game. And they also advertise $0 trade. For instance, if you have a TD Ameritrade or like a Charles Schwab and you're investing with them or you know, you're know you buying stocks with them, to actually sell that stock after you buy it, you would be charged a fee, like a trade fee. A lot of different brokers, different prices. I think for a TD Ameritrade, it's like $34 to $39 to sell off your stock. With Robinhood, the claim to fame is there's no money to trade. You can make all the trades you want. You don't have to pay for it. So the interesting part is this. The company that Robinhood uses to actually make those trades is called Citadel Securities. Now, Citadel Securities is owned by a millionaire who I've heard has some interestingly shady dealings going on in his personal life anyway but he also owns another company very similarly named called Citadel and so it's two companies two different things if I understand correctly so you have Citadel Securities which actually makes and, and pays for the trades on Robinhood, and you have Citadel, which is owned by the same person. So one of the hedge funds that actually went bankrupt after all of this occurred was purchased by Citadel, not Citadel Securities. Now, I know to you, you say, Brandy, what's the difference? And I don't really know. But I know there's enough of a difference for the CEO to say, well, it's not the same company. They're two different companies. That's why there's no conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Sounds fishy to me. Sounds fishy to you, I'm sure. So as I mentioned, Citadel handles the trades for Robin Hood. And they use an algorithm. So apparently what happens is once you see a trade or, or a price that you want to buy the stock at, Citadel is supposed to work. Citadel Securities, the way their algorithm works is that they're supposed to work immediately to get you that price 
so that you're getting the best price. But it turns out that they may not have done that <laughs> around 2018. They actually, I think there was um, a case brought against them where it found that they had actually kind of cheated investors out of like millions of dollars by not getting them like the best price at the time. Now, here's the kicker. When you sign on to Robinhood, you basically accept terms that say you can't necessarily take them to court if you're cheated. It's it's basically like arbitration terms. So if you feel like you were wronged in some way, it would go to arbitration, like you couldn't sue them. So knowing all this information, of course, the people never saw their money after it was determined that Citadel Securities might have been cheating them out of the best deal when buying stocks. It's also come to my attention that when the algorithm is making those trades, it's also going a few seconds faster and buying similar stocks because once again, as I said, Wall Street watches Wall Street. Wall Street is in competition with Wall Street. Everybody wants to know what everyone else is doing, but they don't know want anyone else to know what they're doing. So when Citadel Securities algorithm sees a lot of buying of a stock, it sends out an algorithm seconds before and also buys that stock. Tricky, tricky, right? It all, I think, goes hand in hand. And I think part of it, most of it is why everyone's kind of starting to side-eye Robin Hood. Like, hmm, you had a good idea, but it seems like something's amiss. So I think that this is going to be a very interesting story to watch just because it has kind of showed us in very absolute terms how we're told as normal individuals oh invest your money when you get your stimulus check invest it or you know if you don't have the money you should save and do this that and the third but when normal people start playing the game with the millionaires and the billionaires and they start winning over the millionaires and the billionaires then suddenly all the terms change. All the rules are different. So I think it's going to be very interesting to just keep an eye on this and how it's going. As I said, the CEO of Robinhood did not give a very convincing argument about why he took the actions that he took. Like I said, he said it wasn't because of liquidity issues, but then he got on you know, another night news show and said that he was just trying to make sure that he had his best, the best interests at heart of his, his customers or his uh, traders. And she's been kind of trying to do like this press tour to assure everyone that, you know, it wasn't outside investors that influenced his decision. I mean, at this point, he, he had to actually raise like billions of dollars from investors I guess, to cover um, all the action that was going on. But once again, like I say, he said it wasn't a liquidity issue. So it's really strange that he would have to just 
stop the trading altogether and then raise money, but it not be a liquidity issue. So he's also going to be one to watch. He might need a PR person because he has not made his case for himself very well. Also watch um, Citadel Securities and Citadel as a company. I think there's going to be some interesting stuff going on around that as well. As I mentioned, they purchased one of the hedge funds that actually kind of went bankrupt. So they stand to make money off of GameStop if it does fail. Like if and when the stock ever goes down. Because a lot of people who really understand this stuff say it's really only a matter of time. Um, the stock is really going to stay as high as it is as long as people hold out. But they say it's a bubble and at some point it's going to pop. So it's kind of fishy that not only does Citadel Securities have something to do with Robinhood, they also have something to do with, you know, that hedge fund that lost money because at any time when... GameStop starts to go down in value, they will make the gains from that. So keep an eye on that. Keep letting them know that we see them. I think they think we don't see them. We do though. So let them know that we see them. We see how it goes. We see how they do. And it's not fair. There seems to be enough of a uproar about it that it it appears that you know a lot of like I said congress members and people in politics are actually looking at it so let them know that we care like we see it and we care and it's concerning to us because once again it's just a further perpetuation of the rich continuing to get rich and the poor staying poor like to see how quickly those companies started restricting the buying of those stocks once, you know, normal individual people started actually winning and causing a problem for the billionaires. It, I mean, it just happened so fast. And you can't continue to just say that, like, there's there aren't special interests for the elite the money-making elite and capitalism in the United States. So that has been my what to watch segment of the podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in again to my second episode. I have greatly appreciated the feedback from my first episode. And I really thank you guys for tuning in. I'm so glad that you guys have been enjoying it. And I'm asking that if you have liked this episode as well, that you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You give me five stars. You'll leave some good feedback. And you'll come back next week on Did You Hear the News? <laughs>